Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Just End the Suffering podcast. We need our sports talk and long-suffering fan. Your host, Mike Phillips. Had a bit of a different show originally planned for you this week. We're going to put all the NFL stuff on hold for a few days. Obviously, out of respect to what happened to DeMar Hamlin in the Bengal-Bill game on Monday night that got suspended. If you live under a rock, obviously, DeMar Hamlin went into cardiac arrest on the field. He is in critical condition at a hospital in Cincinnati. Uh, but the game was obviously suspended. It will not be resumed this week. Week 18 is scheduled to go on here, but out of respect to DeMar Hamlin, did not feel right to sort of, you know, do the whole let's set up week 18 scenario here. Let's, you know, do the NFL picks today. That's going to be coming out on Friday. That's going to be in the podcast on Friday. It gives a few more days to sort of, you know, reset a little bit. But I want to sort of give my thoughts here about what this have here before we get to what's going on in the rest of this podcast here, which is, you know, we have Dan Federico on here that I talked about last week, talking to Yankee baseball. Yankee Aussies are out with Dan's going to be in this podcast. Okay, so give my thoughts on two-minute drill on the college football playoff. That as well is going to be in here, but the situation on that was very scary. Simple as that. I mean, watching that game, you do not expect to be hearing the words CPR in a professional setting here. Seeing, you know, how, like, awe, like, devastated these players were on both sides. And seeing how this was handled, I give a lot of credit to both coaches here, uh, Zach Taylor and uh, Sean McDermott here, who, first of all, the league, I I do not want to get into, you know, the whole Joe Buck reported on the broadcast that they were getting five-minute warm after uh, Hamlin was taken off by ambulance. Joe Buck got that from somewhere. I know the league has denied it, but the fact is that any thought that these guys could play this game after seeing that is absurd. And any thought about, you know, has this impact the playoffs? Has this impact week 18? Has it impact the fantasy leagues? None of that matters right now. What matters right now is that DeMar Hamlin gets a chance to recover from this, walk out of the hospital, continue living his life. That's the most important thing right now. I'm going to give credit to ESPN, too, for how they handle this here. Just, you know, tremendous empathy in this broadcast. They were the entity on on the air here. They had people on the scene, and they were not speculating. They were not, you know, jumping to conclusions, talking about the wrong things. They were trying to give us what we knew, what they knew, and giving us information as they got it. And do it with empathy. And, you know, pointing out what had to point out is that this game should not continue. It didn't. We will see what happens with that going forward. And I think, you know, all prayers to Mar Hamlin. All reach out to the family, support them, and what's going on here. Without any further ado, we'll get into the rest of the show here. We'll do Dan Federico. We'll see all the plugs in the end of the podcast here. We'll talk to Dan Federico about the New York Yankees right after this. All right, we are back here on the podcast, getting kicking off the new year here, starting out talking about what's been going on with the Yankees in the offseason. They've been not as crazy as the Mets. They've been doing a lot. Join me today, uh, our Yankee guy on the podcast here, Dan Federico is here. Dan, happy new year. How are you? Hey, Mike, what's going on? Hope you had a happy holidays, happy new year, and uh, let's talk some Yankees. Yeah, let's talk some Yankees here. I mean, going into the offseason, we know they had a lot to do. They have done a lot, but I, I would say it's like not as crazy as some of the other offseasons we've seen from them. Like, What do you think of what they've done to this point? I mean, listen, step number one was bringing back Judge. It was an obvious. I mean, I was one of those guys who uh, 
when you saw the the John Heyman arson judge tweet, uh, I was pretty much convinced that he was gone. I mean, that's that's the feeling I got. Um, didn't look good on the Yankees end. Obviously, uh, they went to that ninth year, um, made things work out for the Yankees uh, in terms of bringing him back, which was great because, I mean, that was much needed. And then, you know, the Redon signing was something that wasn't necessarily expected. I think um, not that it wasn't needed, but they did have a very strong pitching staff with what they had going into this season. Um, so reinforcing that and bringing uh, a clear-cut number two behind um, Garrett Cole was, was a really big move. But, I mean, that lineup's still looking pretty similar, maybe even a little less than last year, which was the big problem. So I think there are still a lot of questions that need to be answered. Yeah, so let's start the Aaron Judge contract here. The nine years, $360 million deal he gets. The, he turned down more money from the Padres, supposedly, to stay in New York. The Giants made a big offer. He turned that down, too. This is one they had to get done here. Like, how do you think of how this contract played out for both sides? I mean, listen, I, I may have said it on your show. I've definitely said it in the past that um, no matter what this contract that you're signing Aaron Judge for, nine years, ten years, whatever was going to end up, you're signing him for the rest of his career, and he's going to be that ambassador, and he's going to be uh, that guy that you're bringing back on Old Timers Day and for all these events, and he's going to be throwing off first pitches in 20 years. Like that's that's the guy you're bringing in. You're going to be selling 99 jerseys, just like you're selling two jerseys and three jerseys at Yankee Stadium currently. So it, it, it's a long-term investment that was needed. Um, he's the heart and soul of the team, as obvious by being named captain now. Uh, so, so it was a move that was necessary. I mean, the money factor w- wasn't one for me. I didn't care how much he got as long as he was brought back because that's obviously the right move and the needed move. And uh, it worked out. Um, I know the Padres were definitely uh, very much invested. Uh, they they never put out a formal offer that he could have signed, but they discussed numbers uh, that night when he flew to San Diego. Um, they were willing to go more than 10 years. I think up to 12 years they, they were willing to go. So, um, they, 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 he had his suitors. I mean, the Giants were obviously, obviously there too. They wanted him as well, but in the end, he wanted to be a Yankee, and and that's where he is. Yeah, that's for sure here. And I do think also the other big one for them. I think this is important. In fact, this area they upgraded the team was getting the Carlos Rodon contract done here because now, like, you get him on, on a six year contract. He's team with Garrett Cole, the top of the rotation here. Like, what do you think about Rodon brings to the Yankees? Yeah, so uh, Rodon, again, that was something going into the offseason. I don't think many fans expected, but uh, pretty soon into, into uh, you know, going into the winter meetings and a little before when free agency was open, I mean, the, the dots were there to connect. I thought, you know, pretty much during winter meetings from what, I'm, what I heard and what I was told that if the Yankees didn't sign Rodon, it wasn't for a lack of trying. Like, he was somebody who they really wanted, but they also knew what his market was and what teams were getting, so it was hard to predict what type of contract he'd get. But in the end, um, I think it was a really good contract. I understand that he hasn't been an ace-level pitcher for a long time. He has injury concerns. I mean, there are definitely some caveats that come with, with this decision, but if you're talking about you know, 2023, 2024, 2025, you're going to get a guy who's an absolute bulldog on the mound. He, he loves pitching in the big games, loves, be, loves being in that type of spotlight. He takes on that type of stuff, and I think that's something that New York fans are really going to gravitate towards. And clear-cut number two now, um, what that does to the rotation is, you know, who, who knows if Nestor Cortez is great as he was going to be able to replicate what he did. Well, now he's going to be your three or four starter. Severino coming back from an injury and, and you know, still trying to get back to where he was. Now he's going to be a three or four starter. Frankie Montas is somebody who sat at the top or close to the top of the A's rotation for a long time. He's going to be your five starter. 
So the depth is crazy. It takes a lot of pressure off of a Cortez, a Severino, a Montez to, you know, maybe work out some things that they need to work on. So um, it's a great move. Um, I think it's going to bode really well, especially come playoff time. I mean, he has a lot of experience against a lot of teams the Yankees are playing in terms of, you know, the Astros or the Rays. So it it was a great move. And, yeah, the rotation is probably on paper one of the best that's ever been in Yankees history. Yeah, it certainly is here. And despite those two big moves, and bringing Anthony Rizzo is obviously the third one here, like, I feel like they still have a lot of things they could still do. So, like, what would you like to see them do over the rest of the offseason? Yeah, I mean, that that left field spot is just screaming, uh, we need some help. So, I think that's always, uh, that, that's what it is. I think a lot of people see that. Um, you know, the Benintendi contract, five years, you know, I, I could see why they didn't want to go five years, but I thought that average annual uh, value wasn't bad at all. I, I thought that was something the Yankees could have done. I would have been a proponent of them bringing him back. Um, it's interesting where they go from here, but I think first and foremost, left field has is, is, is got to be one that's answered. Yeah, that's definitely for sure here. And the left field is surprised also. They make a run like Michael Conforto, giving him like the one, the giant kind of in the two year, 36 million with the opt after one. Surprised that's not something they did, but that they pursued. Yeah, I mean, I know there were some rumors. I, they, they liked him early in the offseason. I, I think that type of contract where it was a one to one, see what he can do this year, then he has a chance to opt out. I even think that was a little too rich for the Yankees' blood for what he got, um, which, I mean, it's funny to say with all the money they make, but I, I think. The type of player he is where he's coming back from a big injury. You don't know what he's going to really be able to bring to the table to rely on him to, to play left field all the time was, was a little risky for them. But at the same time, I thought he was a good fit. I would have made a run at him. Um, yeah, the options are pretty bare now. I mean, you have David Peralta, who the Yankees have liked in the past. He's still out there on the free agent market. Um, he could be a stopgap type guy. I mean, the, the Max Kepler rumors are everywhere. Um, and I, again, he's another player the Yankees have had interest in. So that could be a guy. Um, and, you know, that's where you kind of go back to Oswaldo uh, Cabrera. He could be that guy who could play out there. And we saw what he could do, what he brings to the team um, in terms of versatility, energy. Uh, he always has good at-bats. Like, that's something that goes undervalued where, okay, maybe he strikes out. But if he's seeing six pitches, that, that bodes well. And he, he could relay that information to the next hitter. Or he can make the pitcher just do a little extra work that he wasn't expecting. So, He's, he was a very interesting, very um, energetic player in that stretch run last year. Um, he's obviously got the inside track now, and it seems like that's the way they're going to go. Yeah, it does feel interesting, though, considering there were I think, rumors for a little bit that they are going to try and make a trade for a guy like Brian Reynolds, maybe shift Bader out to left. Is that, you think those rumors are pretty much dead? I don't know about dead. Um, I know, again, that's a player who the Yankees are very interested in. That's very well documented. They just want a lot of uh, of players in return. They want high-quality players in return. And, you know, out of recent reports, they want starting pitching, which the Yankees don't have to offer. And we're talking MLB-ready. I was told, you know, they're not looking for the top of that trade package to be, you know, an A-ball player. They want AAA, ready to go, players they can enter into the team now and, you know, bring the next crop of Pirates up. So if they're, if they're necessarily looking for pitching, it doesn't bode well for the Yankees, but Again, they have some high-quality talents. I mean, you still have Jason Dominguez, who you would expect, I think, anyway, to go in a trade like that. Um, Oswald Peraza, somebody who I would think. Austin Wells is another guy. Like these, Between Peraza and Wells, those two guys are guys that could fill that. Okay, they could probably, if you're in the Pirate system, 2023 is the time where they could be on the big league roster. Um, so I think that could be, those players would be where, where it kind of starts. 
Anthony Volpe is somebody who I think is untouchable at this point. I don't think there's any way he gets traded in the deal. Um, they just love everything about this guy. Um, and there's a chance that he, you know, he, he's going to get a shot in spring. I don't know how serious they'll be in playing him. I don't know what he'll have to do to make the team out of, uh, uh, out of spring training, but I know he's definitely going to get a chance. Um, so he's off the table, but, you know, the, what the Pirates want and what the Yankees have, I don't think there's that, the best pairing there. But you never know what other teams offer and, and where the Yankees stand in that. So I think it's still a possibility, but it's not as high as it once was. Yeah, that's for sure here. Would you like be bothering go get anybody in free, in free agency, whether it's like, you know, Peralta we mentioned, a jerks and Profar, somebody like that, and just said, you know, we're going to run with Cabrera and Hicks to start the year. Would that be an issue? Um, I, I, I Like I mentioned, Peralta, somebody who the Yankees have had interest in. Jerks and Profar, somebody the Yankees have had interest in for years. And he's another one of those guys that I like where you could kind of plug and play him while he has his faults. I mean, there's that def- defensive versatility that I think is so big on all teams, uh, you know, at, at you know, this stage of the game. So um, those are two players I think are options. I, I want to say, as of right now, I think it's going to be Oswaldo Cabrera and Aaron Hicks, which I know a lot of people aren't going to like, but Aaron Hicks lost three years left. I know that they did try to trade him, but, you know, you've also, you've also heard on Yes where Jack Curry has said that Aaron Hicks' contract could be almost seen as a bargain in some regards as what contracts are being given out these days. So, um, and what he says, that's what the Yankees are saying. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's somebody who sees a little bit of playing time and, and Cabrera gets a bulk of it because um, there's nothing really out there that's enticing. I mean, listen, you could bring in a Peralta or a Profar. It's great, but it's not going to be a needle mover. It's not going to be anything that's much different to me than, than a Cabrera and a Hicks, you know, kind of splitting that time or 60-40, whatever that may be. So I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of just keep what they have. What about the bullpen here? I know the one move they made here is they brought Tommy Canely back on the two-year deal, but obviously right now they're going to have to have a competition at close. I assume Clay Holmes is the favorite for that. They probably use another couple arms out there. What do you think they could do for the bullpen? Yeah, I mean, I really like how it's constructed. Um, I know with the Lithy uh, DFA, there's people you know mentioning how there's a lack of lefties, but when you have Marinaccio and now bringing back Tommy Canely, uh, those two guys are great against lefties. And then you still have Wandy, obviously, who, who did a great job last year as well. So they have a lot of depth. Um, you know, maybe not necessarily the biggest names that you're used to, but um, a lot of proven players. I mean, Clay Holmes, Luizaga, Peralta, he's still got Lutrevino on the roster. I mean, he's somebody who drew the ire of fans, but he, he had a pretty good year at the Yankees if you look at his numbers. So um, there's depth there. Uh, there. There's a lot of people that are going to move around. Um, I'm not sure if you're going to see Michael King next year, but he's another guy who – you know, you hope eventually comes back to form because he was an absolute force in 2022 uh, before he got injured. Um, so, yeah, there, there's depth. I think, like you said, there's some things to move around. I think they're going to try a couple people out as a closer. I wouldn't be surprised if the Wiser gets a chance there. But um, I'm, overall, I like the I like the, the unit they have set up right now. Yeah, that's also a spot you look at. You could say, like, look, I'm looking right now, some of the guys are still on the market in terms of potential free agents. I mean, they could bring Zach Britton back, Will Smith's out there, Will Harris, Chafin, Brad Hand, like, there's a lot of guys you can see them maybe like in a month saying, okay, who's still here? We'll grab, grab you on a one-year deal, add a veteran to this group. I can see them doing that as well. Yeah, 100%. I could definitely see that. I mean, that, that reliever market, there's always going to be names getting close to spring training that are going to end up getting jobs. So, um, you know, there's a lot of time to see how things shake out, and I definitely wouldn't be surprised if they bring in a veteran reinforcement or two just to kind of round out that bullpen. 
Yeah, we talked a little bit about some of these prospects here, and right now they have not done much on the position player side apart from bringing back the two free agents they had here. It does make me feel like that they have big plans for Anthony Volpe and Oswaldo Peraza on, on, Peraza on the 2023 roster here. You think this is sort of looking at like, hey, like we're not going to do too much because we have eyes on these two guys being like part of the lineup, at least by midseason? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear uh, now the second year in a row where they kind of bowed out of the shortstop market and, you know, there's some big names on there this year. Again, um, I think that it's all eyes are on Volpe specifically, but also Peraza. I mean, they're, they're both going to be players. You know how they show they bounce around Peraza a little bit. Uh, he played some second base when he got called up last year. I know there are some people who question Volpe's future at shortstop. I mean, I haven't necessarily heard that, but he could be another guy who kind of bounces around. But yeah, it's, it seems like all their eggs in, in their baskets. And um, Peraza is somebody who I expect to have not have a, I mean, I guess they have a better shot making it just because he has that little bit of experience. He's a little more ahead in his development. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Volpe spend a little more time in AAA just to kind of, you know, work out some kinks and, and get ready for the call up. But I mean, this year is going to be that next chapter of the baby bomber era, and it's going to be full swing with Volpe and uh, Peraza. I don't know when, let's say Volpe gets a call. I'm like I said before, he's, they're going to give him a chance. He's going to get some looks at spring training. Um, to me, it seems like the IKF situation may be a last resort. Like if Peraza and Volpe really stink up the joint, which I wouldn't expect. Um, I think they'll go back to him to start at shortstop, but it seems like to me, Peraza is going to be the guy who's going to get the job out of spring training. Now that brings me back to last year where I just don't understand why, when he got called up, why he didn't get the, the full-time job just to give him a chance and see what he had and, and let him work everything out at the big league level then. So going into this year, uh, he'd have a little more of a comfort level, but um, it seems like one of those two guys is going to be there and, by mid-year, I wouldn't be surprised if both of those guys are starting in the infield. Yeah, the other guy in the Lakers coming in here is obviously Josh Donaldson because obviously I'm assuming they tried to move him, got no interest in, in <clears> taking <throat> on his contract here. I think it's also a spot you know, where he starts the season, they hope he's hot, and like, if he's not performing by June, there's like a DFA on the table. Yeah, I would think that he's – I mean, you hear what the, the front office, and again, Jack Curry, I, I always love listening to the hot shows and – one of those things where when Jack Curry speaks, my ears perk up just because you know what he's saying. He's relaying that information. So he said time and time again, they they think he makes his money's worth in his glove alone. So they, they highly value his defense at their base, which is great. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, he was a black hole at the play last year, and the Yankees don't have room for that going into this year. I mean, they, they're, like we've said earlier, they're running back pretty much the same team, and he was a big problem as to why they didn't meet the success they wanted, right? So him coming back, they're, they're, they're going to give him a chance. Like you said, they did try to move him, but it was near, I mean, proved to be impossible. So uh, they, they're going to give him a shot. And again, his defense is great. Don't get me wrong, but uh, the little he provides on offense just, just kills the team. So, uh, but, but I expect, fully expect that spring training, Josh Allen to be third base. And like you said, probably by mid-year to see, to see what he brings this year. Yeah, that's for sure here. And obviously, my last question here is, like, looking at this team right now, I mean, based on the roster here, I mean, pretty much it's, like you said, it's pretty much the same team brought back with Radon in, like, and Tyone out, and Benatendi out here. Like, do you do you think this team is much better than it was at the end of last year? Because I know we could they can point to, oh, like, we had the record-hot pace at the start of the season, but the critics would say, look, back as easy, you weren't very good, and the Astros smoked you guys. So, like, do you think the addition of Rodone is enough to markedly improve this team? Yeah, 
Uh, it's it's so interesting because I you know you have to value pitching as highly as possible, and I love the Rodon move, and I think that that's going to really boost this team. But when you see the offense, they're they're running back the same team, and they're even relying on a guy like DJ LeMahieu, who's we don't know what is twenty twenty three is going to be like. I mean, they still haven't decided if he's going to have surgery yet. So th- there's so many question marks, and this is not even to you know. To, to just random players like DJ Mays, obviously, since he signed with the Yankees, has been one of the most important players on the roster, and that's a question mark. And obviously, been bringing Rizzo back is great, and eliminating the shift that's going to boost his average a little bit. But he's also getting up there in age; he has back problems. I mean, that's another one. Sten, love him when he's hot, but you know he's always that uh, Jekyll and Hyde type player. You know, they're they're relying heavily on Harrison Bader, who you know has had moderate success, but is another up and down guy in center field and. Jose Trevino, is he going to be able to replicate what he did last year? That's going to be tough. I mean, there's so many question marks on this team. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know really – I don't see how you could admit that this team has improved. Um, again, and that's even with the addition of Rodon. And, and I, I don't say that lightly. It's, it's hard to say, but I just – I can't – I can't in good conscience say this team is full-fledged and improved when there's just so many holes offensively. I feel like there's sort of a spot where the Braves were last year. You need, like, prospects to come up here and sort of, like, take jobs and, like, lift you a bit. Like, what they have with Michael Harris and Spencer Strider and Vaughn Grissom to lesser degree. I feel like if that happens, they take a leap forward. But I don't know, like, based on what they've done, I can agree with you, apart from Radon, that they've really gotten much better from where they were, which is a problem in the division where the Orioles and Toronto and Tampa could all be problems. Yeah, I mean, they're relying on, on a lot of question marks, and, and that's that's tough. And, you know, Obviously, baseball's a long season, and you know the trade deadline. You can always improve, but getting off to that hot start is important, and that was the case last year. That hot start—I mean, it was a hot couple of months, not just a start—but that carried them into the playoffs. How they fell off. So, um, getting off to a good jump is is first and foremost. And with all the question marks and relying on prospects, and you know, trying to figure things out, it's going to be tough. But they believe in these guys. They're going to get a chance. And, and I know a lot of fans have really wanted to see, you know, the Parazas and the Volpes get their shot. So 2023 is going to be the year. Yeah, I think it will be, Dan. Thanks all the time. I really appreciate it. People want to follow you on Twitter. with some of your Yankee takes. How can I do that? Of course, man. You guys follow me on Dan J. Federico. I'm always tweeting on there. So just follow along over there. All right, Dan. Thanks all the time. I really appreciate it. All right, Mike. No problem. Thanks again for having me. The Two-Minute Drill. Two-minute drill time. Talk about the college football playoffs, the games on New Year's Eve. And ironically, the most fun of the weekend for me, watching football, was watching those games, which is not usually the case for me. I'm not usually big into college football. These two games were a lot of fun. TCU-Michigan was pretty wild. TCU built the early 23 lead. Michigan ends up charging back a third quarter. They get within one score several times. Horn Frogs do pull away late and pull the upset and get to the final here. The Wolverines certainly had a fair share of missed opportunities, and the refing in these two games is definitely not good. I mean, look at the Michigan game, for example. You had the big play in the second quarter. They hit the wall and pass. It should be a touchdown. The refs somehow missed the fact that the guy falls down with his butt in the end zone, ball across the line. They spy at the one. Michigan, of course, fumbles the next play. TCU recovers. That's a big swing in that game because that's basically seven points that Wolverines are taking away from them. You still get credit to TCU ever. And there was a lot of people going to this game going, oh, Alabama should be here. TCU lost its title game. Their effort put to harass any of that. It was very impressive to see Max Duggan, who 
friend of the podcast, Bill Benner, talked about a lot last week when we, we spoke to him about the preview playoff here. Watch him shred that Michigan defense, which pummeled Ohio State, by the way, in their last regular in the last regular season game. They took he takes the Horn Frogs, who were unranked in the preseason polls, all the way to the title game. Big effort for that program. Big effort for the Big 12, by the way, which has not had a title game contender in a while. Similar script the second game, except Ohio State blew their big lead against Georgia. Ohio State was leading the whole way through. Stetson Bennett brings Georgia back, makes a lot of big-time throws. There was a little questionable clock magic there at the end because Georgia was driving down for the go-ahead score. You would think, you know, they were going down. They had a minute on the clock. So, you know, let's just milk it, try and punch it in late. They scored a touchdown with a minute on the clock left. And you're saying, uh-oh, Ohio State's moving the ball all night. Is this too much time? And then they literally get the ball in position for a long field goal attempt. Ironically, the Crocs strikes midnight in their season. The field goal is missed as the calendar flips to 2023 That on the East Coast. That's incredible timing here. Now we get to look forward here to a true heavyweight fight between TCU and Georgia on Monday. Georgia favored by 13 points this game, but based on what I watched, I would not take the Horn Frogs lightly here. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people outside of SC country, in SC country outside of Georgia, pulling for the Horn Frogs. I think they're the na- favorite nationally outside of like Michigan. It'll be a lot of fun to see if the Horn Frogs can make some history here and win their first national championship. All right, that will do it for this week's show. I want to thank Dan Federico for coming on here, talking Yankee baseball. Fun conversation. You see the Yankees have cooked up for the rest of the offseason. If you want more good stuff like this podcast, include my look at who the Jets started at quarterback in 2023, and I think the equation definitely changed over the weekend. Check out the blog over just on the suffering at WordPress.com. You, you can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just End the Suffering, your favorite podcast platforms. Um, and you can subscribe there. You can also leave your feedback and sorry, it's not like the podcast, even better going forward. Check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. The video version of the conversation with Dan is on the YouTube channel. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Also mentioned the Sky Guys podcast. We are starting our coverage of Bad Batch Season 2. You can subscribe to that podcast. All the podcast platforms I just mentioned here. That's only on Sky Guys. That is not going to be on just on the Suffering feed on the Bad Batch content. So... Check all that out there if you are just in the Star Wars stuff here. So follow me on Twitter, mphilips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. We will be back later this week with the Week 18 preview with the NFL picks. But until then, say a prayer for Tamar Hamlin.